Joe and Ebo sit the next few plays out. Let's call in a pro. Win on three, one, two, three. This is the Amon Green Show, brought to you by Badger City Auto hey, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio hey. Network. From uh, in Chicago today, I'm not in, hanging out with the guys. I'll be next week, but was in Chicago to watch the game myself firsthand in the stands amongst the as a Packer fan say, in, in enemy territory, which I'm used to, so I wasn't sweating at all. Um, but uh, enjoyed the game. Interesting game. A defensive game, which uh, I, 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 I kind of like uh, so far. How are you guys doing? What you guys doing? Um, hey, it's great to have you back. Uh, another year of the Amon Green Show. Expanded. The thing was so damn good in it last year, Amon. They said, give this man an hour. Yeah. So we go a full hour this year. Uh, last night was incredible. Uh, the Bears are on the number one overall rated defense in the NFL a season ago, and they got they got outperformed by the Green Bay Packer defense. That was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible to watch, man, to see both really both sides of the ball or both I say both defense team defenses just wreak havoc on offenses on both ends. And uh, I say more gets to come out, and we see Mitch. Trubisky gets more exposed of what he needs to learn about becoming a top tier quarterback in NFL and reading coverages, knowing how to, you know, manage the game. And uh, I say setting his feet because sometimes throwing him throwing the ball just it wasn't his feet wasn't were not in the right position to get the ball upfield to his receivers and to put himself in a better position to win each play out there. Amon, I think he's got a lot to learn, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I mean, uh, he yeah. like set back the quarterback position a couple, a couple decades last night. Well, so, do you, in your opinion, do you think the Packers' defense was just that good, or was Trubisky just that bad? Uh, no, it was a combination of both. The, so the defense, Packers' defense, is good. Uh, Pettin, year two, everything's sinking in, and it's sinking in well. Even for the new guys that's come in, Jadarius Smith from Baltimore. He came in, and I was watching him giving the offensive line for the Chicago Bears problems. And, you know, a lot of holding calls, a lot of penalties across the board. We'll talk about that later. But uh, but that defense flying around, getting in Mitch face, disguising coverages, you know, defense just harassing the receivers, you know, and um, Zaire, he's doing his job downfield as a, as a second-year corner, playing well, a couple push-offs here and there. But the defense – it's comfortable. You could tell. Kenny Clark doing his job, penetrating, getting upfield. I mean, we had five sacks total on both teams defensively. Um, and that right there in itself keeps a quarterback that doesn't have experience like Aaron rattle. You know, rattle uncomfortable. And we saw that with Mitch. He was very uncomfortable. Just seeing, you know, and he's dropping his head, I think, after the first series where he threw a couple of incomplete passes, passes that weren't on target. And he's, you know, he's on himself, and he, as he should be, because he's a quarterback. He's an NFL quarterback. He's a starting NFL quarterback. He was a first-round draft pick. So, so in my, you know, as a player looking at him, is there's a quality and a, I say hey, a consistency that should come from a starting NFL quarterback. That means passes should be on target, fundamentals should be there, feet set, and when you throw the ball, you have confidence, and it's a it's a it's a dot, as we say. I say in the gaming world, it's an accurate pass to get to that receiver, and we didn't see that from Mitch. And we saw that from Aaron. He was sacked the same amount of times, but not rattled. He was able to still make plays. And what we saw with the 50-50 pass that he threw up to uh, to Jimmy Graham in the first half there just goes to show, I say, the trust 
and knowing, just knowing, and I say teammates, knowing that he can, he's a guy he likes to go get the high ball to get that touchdown and then slam dunk it, you know, after after the reception. Uh, visiting uh, with Amon Green, it is the uh, season uh, debut of the Amon uh, Green Show. You got a question for Amon? You can hit us up on Twitter at Zell Madison. You know, Amon, we've talked about it a lot. You know, since the uh, hiring of Matt Lafleur. You know, no first year Packer head coach has you know ever ever made the playoffs. And in fact, not a lot of them have had many success in year one. And obviously, it's only one game. But you look at short term for the next couple weeks and then long term, how big a deal, whether it was the Bears or, you know, the the Miami Dolphins, who people think are going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. How big a deal was it to get that first win last night for Matt LaFleur? Huge. It was huge. Um, It's not like college football where you got to impress the posters and the coaches and the AP or the posters being the AP. You don't have to do that. You uh, basically have to go out and win. And he – I watched his interview last night, and uh, just this listening, he was very, very humble about it, and uh, because it was a team effort, you know, he gave a lot of thanks to the coaches and obviously the players. You know, the players he knows. You know, we as coaches just call the play, so hopefully the players can execute the right way. And offensively and defensively, to the best of their ability, the players did that on both sides of the sides of the ball. You know, Aaron and that offense going against a top-rated defense and vice versa, but the um, the defense. You know, holding, regardless of how Mitch played, making him play that way, you know, sacking him five times. So he put that stink out. You know, he took the blame, obviously, for in some situations, maybe the offensive run game not being there. A um, little bit more play selection down the field later on in the game to help the guys get the ball in the end zone. So he he put that blame on himself, and I like that. And, and that's something as a coach of any time, today, 20 years ago, those type of coaches that take the blame, saying, hey, I didn't prepare – my players enough. Those are the players. Those are the coaches you want to play for because they take the. You know they don't let the the media. You know go after each and every player. They'll take. You know bring bring the blame to me. I'll take it because then I let my players focus on playing football and not focus on trying to. I say, uh, you know, talk their way out of a problem in an interview. You know, just talk about how they played and if it was a win or loss, and that's it. And so the coaches, you know, head coach Matt before taking that. Um, I definitely tip my hat to him on that uh, comment as well. Well, Amon, um, with your time with the Texans, was LaFleur the offensive quality control coach while you were there? Yes. Well, so what, what's he like as a person then? You know, I know it was years ago, but what is he like as a person, you know, getting to know him on, you know, a football kind of thing? Uh, real quiet. At that time, quiet. Uh, got his job done. Quality control. I, th- I believe, that, you know, there's a lot of coaches that did that job. Uh, John Gruden did it. Um and it's a basically a person that gets the play cards ready for the practice squad for against offense and defense. So the number one offense is running. He might he might get the uh, defensive scheme for the defense ready to go, or the offensive scheme to go against the number one defense. And but a quiet guy, a guy that basically did his work, did his job. I mean, most coaches, you know, you're, you're more seen, not heard. I say to your players, you are. Um, but always, you know, always there, showed up. You know, ready to coach, ready to help out uh, Kyle Shanahan in his first year as the, as the OC, I believe, in 08, in 08, my second year in Houston. And uh, But then his, I say really just watching his journey and knowing of his journey. It's been 12 years. You know, it was 2007 for me when I met him. And so 12 years since that time, we met, you know, as a player and coach. You know, he didn't coach me. He coached more with the quarterbacks. And so, but just watching his journey go from Houston, you know, to Tennessee, working with the Rams, with uh, McVay. And just having that knowledge that I know he picked up along the way, it's going to start to bloom later. Because usually coming out of anything, you know, coming into regular season, 
coming out of preseason and the regular season, we see this. We see what we saw. Offense usually struggles in the first couple of weeks, even if it's an offense that's run normally for years. Um, that used to what you wanted to see. Defense usually gets, I say, gets in first. So year two, like I mentioned, of uh, Pettis offense, our defense is, is firing all cylinders and just really the sky is up. So everybody got in, you know, in that backfield, which was good to see for the Packers defense. Visiting with uh, Amon Green, Packers all-time leading rusher here on the Amon Green Show. A uh, final thought on LaFleur, Amon, and then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, this game and, and get some of your reaction to some of the to the highlights of the game. Uh, your overall take on LaFleur, uh, I mean, obviously the offense wasn't special and he was brought in, you know, to be an offensive guy. I counter that with that was the number one rated defense in the NFL. And you look at what they did to teams like the Rams and others last year, they made him look silly. Uh, during the regular season, but you know, I mean, like the challenge in the game was was pretty silly. Um, you know, a lot of people were upset about the very conservative play calling at the end. W- you know, what's your overall takeaway? What overall grade do you give Matt Lafleur for game number one? Um, well, I say overall game grade. I would have to say a B because he didn't lose the game by making bad play calls. You know, there were a lot of plays out there that was decided by penalties. We had 20 plays total from both sides, 10, 10 each team evenly, um, that decided some of the plays, and that was that field position. Special teams um, was a factor as well. Um, Scott is a great punter. Um, I was happy to know that they got him. People don't realize how that can swing the game. Field position is huge, and he helped that. So all the four needed to do in that coaching staff is give plays to Aaron where he can either make things happen and the receivers get open because it was tough going. That is – like I said, to your credit, I agree with you. That's the number one defense last year and still are on top of the NFL this year starting already. So to get where they got, get the ball in the end zone with a touchdown and then hold their offense to just three points the entire game um, and be in enemy territory is a, a good a good win. And uh, you want to still wins on a roll like this because we know how they count double come uh, playoff push. Well, Amon, I wanted to ask you uh, one more thing on the floor, actually. When he, when he, when the floor gets up there, and this is the thing coaches always do, is they take the blame, like, you know, it's, it's on me for the play calls and not getting my guys up to, up to task. But as a running back, like, let's say you were on the Packers and Aaron jo- now, and Aaron Jones rushed for 39 yards and no one else, I think, had any rushing yards beside Rodgers. If you're a player and you hear the coach say that to the, the media, what are you thinking as a player knowing that you didn't live up to your own expectations? Like, what happens oh, man, in practice I'm, after that? Oh, man, I'm all over myself. I was hard on myself. Aaron, by the way, had eight yards rushing. Yeah. Yeah, Rogers, Rogers eight yards. The GOAT. Before, before, um, and uh, Aaron Jones had 39. But for myself, man, I'm a stickler on Mr. Green. I, I had my coaches that knew me well, they knew that if I didn't play well, I was going to beat myself up until Wednesday because I have to play at the A level every game. I have to play at the practice at the A level every game because I knew what my role was in that Packer offense back then, along with Brett and, and the receivers and that O-line and the defense as well. So my, my goals were rush for 100, you know, score a touchdown. Those are my goals daily. I don't know if, if Aaron Jones has set goals personally for himself to know that where he factors into this offense because, you know, he knows a lot of it lays on Aaron's back, Aaron Rodgers' back, but may not think about that. But I know for myself, uh, and a little tip for any young running back out there, set goals for any, any football player. Set your personal goal because their personal goals will help that team, I say, push forward, play well throughout your regular season.
Uh, Amon, when you look at the rushing, because we've heard this about this Packer offensive line the last couple of years, uh, you know, under McCarthy, and, and you know, I don't know if it's a, a Goody Kunst and personnel thing or a Lafleur and a coaching thing that this this offensive line is set up to be a good pass blocking offensive line, but it's not a run blocking. And I always like, you know, I'm not a football X's and O's guy, but I'm like, well, damn. I mean, if you if you're an offensive lineman, aren't you an offensive lineman? Are there, are there really specific skill sets where that can be the truth? I mean, do you buy that an offensive line can be, you know, a a passing offensive line, but not a running or vice versa? Um, I say no. I would say no. So with that, a lineman knows he has to pass block and knows he has to run block. What lineman be running backwards every, you know, 90, I'd say 50%, 60% of the time. They want to be pushing forward, firing off the ball. So but when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers in that backfield and you have receivers like you had now and in the past, and, move, and then obviously moving forward, they're accustomed to pass pro. And, but it's not their favorite thing. They want to, trust me, they want to be running the ball. They want to be coming and pushing the ball upfield two, three, four yards at a time. Then they have running backs to do it. I believe Aaron Jones is the guy to do it along with Jamal. Um, just got to get a little bit more in the rhythm of it. And I think that's where LaFleur took a lot of, you know, where he took the blame for himself there. Uh, visiting with uh, Amon Green, it is the uh, season premiere of the uh, uh, Amon Green show. Uh, you know, uh, uh, final thought on, uh, on the running game, uh, Amon. You know, with, with you know the thirty-nine yards to Ebo's point. I mean, like, I, he, the Bears' defense is great. That being said, like, and you know, well, like you said when you played, you're always going to be harder on yourself. I mean, did you see something that you'd say, oh, that's why it didn't work, or they could do this, or is it really just as simple as look? That was a great run defense, and the Packers were just just take the win and move on. It's a combination of both. It was plays where I saw when Jones got the ball where maybe a little bit of a hesitation, just hit the gap. Because with a good defense, that's why one thing I learned as a pro running the ball against a top-rated defense was like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears, when Erlacher came into um, starting position, was when you see a hole that a line opens up, take it. You can't wait because it's not going to be there long. So I would say that to the young back Joneses. When you see a gap with a good defense, you got them again later this year, and you got other defenses coming up to the slate, don't hesitate, take it, because that second hole may not be there. And then you're looking at a no gain or just a one-yard gain. So take the gap. As soon as you hit it, hit it hard. Same to Jamal as well. Hey, uh, Amon, you'll be happy to know because uh, last year uh, in our maiden voyage on this, it became a thing where we'd uh, we'd reveal the D-bag of the week vote while you were going on. We have a humdinger of a, of a oh, D-bag of the week vote. Uh, we'll update that uh, in the next segment for you, all right? Okay. All right. Wait. We will uh, continue our visit with the Packers' all-time leading rusher, breaking down the game last night. How about this, you guys? Ten days off. And play, play, play the Vikings. That is sweet. More of the Amon Green Show coming up. Joe and Evo sit the next few plays out. Ready. It's time for a pro. One, two, three. Listen and listen good. This is the Amon Green Show. Brought to you by Badger City Auto on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Defense is reigning the supreme, and our offense is struggling a little bit to get going. Just spit, spit, bat, spit, bit, bit, blat. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I, I, I like Ooh, that. I, I, that's a new hashtag. It was like running, uh, you know, that, that you put in uh, new gas in the car and you don't quite get going. You kind of have to warm up. It's like wintertime. You know, you go out there early in the, your driveway and start up the car, let it run for a good 15 minutes. And that's preseason. We didn't get that. Hey, what kind, what kind of gas does Amon's Batmobile take? 
regular unleaded, man. Regular unleaded. <laughs> All right, so that's interesting, Amon, because we put this Twitter poll up earlier because, you know, there were some, some Packer fans last night on Twitter and, and on the phones this morning saying, yeah, but it's a great win, but did you guys see the offense? So are you on the – we should be a little concerned about the offense, or are you on the, hey, there's two sides of a football. How many times during the Rodgers-McCarthy era did we say, my God, if this team only had a defense, what they could have accomplished? I mean, where do you weigh in on the bad offense last night versus good defense? No, I I, say I hang the bad offense, or not, I wouldn't say bad offense. I would say not efficient enough offense to the fact that, one, one to me, Aaron did not play enough as a coach, for me, not playing enough for preseason to knock the rust off. And that's where you saw the late snaps coming out of huddle late. There was a couple of delayed penalties. So those details like that, you see that as a coach, it's like, all right, you know, you get that timing down by playing that third game three quarters. That was something verbatim and during my career that I felt the offense, we got on the same page, the receivers, the linemen, Brett and I. We all got on the same page because of those key snaps. Obviously, we know why, people. We worried about guys getting hurt. But we know Aaron. He's an escape artist. He moves well in the pocket. He'll get himself out of danger. And you can't worry about that as a football player, I believe, or and as a coach. You can't be worried about guys getting hurt. This is football. Guys get hurt every game. We're physical. It's physical. Sport is for a reason. So play, a little, play my man. Aaron, a little bit more in preseason. So that, that I say that sputtering doesn't happen in the pass game. I say in the run game as well. And it, that's nothing that uh, I say we're talking about right now. Well, Amon, as a former player, what was your thought process for preseason? Were you like, we're like, oh, God, here we go again? Or is it you wanted to get out on the field and just get after it? Practice, yes. With, oh, my God, this is for the birds. <laughs> Two a days. <laughs> Practice. <laughs> but actual gameplay was this is what I need. This is what we need. Because – it's a dress rehearsal. That's what we talked about in meetings before, you know, during the week, the night before the game. Is This is dress rehearsal for regular season. And if you don't have them rehearsals, sometimes guys might be anxious, not, not get all the information in the meeting, and just to run, to run over physically, have a walkthrough, be in practice, and actually playing them live games in preseason knocks that anxiety out of there, that nervousness, that not knowing. Because I say one thing you don't know is how are you going to take a hit because you haven't been hit all preseason. That's one thing. And then actual gameplay from preseason speed to regular season speed cranks up 20, 50 notches because guys, they're mostly are the veterans are now starting, not the first round pick getting tested out or the fourth round pick or the, the undrafted free agent now blocking or catching balls. Now it's the guys that are getting paid to start. So that not that speed is cranked up way much, and so when you're not on that field, you don't get used to that. And it's getting used to that takes a couple series, maybe one play. For me, it was one or two plays, and I was in the game. That was getting hit. That was getting the speed of the game, knowing how the defensive end or the three techniques are coming up the A and B gap, how fast they're hitting that gap on certain plays. Then I got my rhythm. I got in the game, the flow, the flow of the game, as some players put it. So let me ask you, Sergio. Let me ask you. So when it comes to practicing, studying your playbook, grinding out film, it has nothing to like. You would rather be out there in a preseason game, getting live action, because that's more meaningful than the first three. Oh yeah, it was like in baseball when I played baseball, man. Getting them swinging at the ball, even though I missed, just getting that swing down, 
so I could then feel the flow of the bat in my hand and the ball, watching the ball out of the pitcher's hand. That's what I'm. That's where I get comfortable. And I think players, I know players, have to sometimes have to do that. Aaron is a guy. You got receivers that some um, you got to get used to. You got Valdez Scantling. You know Devontae Adams. Both of them between them had 14 targets, only had four receptions. You got to get those guys in the game. And uh, but but granted, Chicago's defense they showed up. Fuller played well against Devontae, against Scatman, against all the receivers out there. The linebackers, you know, Raekwon played well, uh, defended the run. So got tip their hat to them as well. But it's the thing is you get in your rhythm faster when you have a lot of reps already under your belt in preseason ball. Uh, this is the Amon Green Show here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. So, okay, to that point, Amon, because normally I would think players, and sometimes we as the fans, can't stand, you know, the Thursday night games because it's a short turnaround, it's a watered-down product. Here would be, you know, the exception of that where it's week one, and now you get 10 days off to get ready to the Vikings. So some of the stuff, Evo and you were just talking about, how big a deal now is it that, you know, you basically have an extra almost half week of preparation uh, for game two to maybe work on some of these things that you normally wouldn't have the time to do. Yeah. And uh, and that might be in the, uh, I'd say in the game planning of the coaching staff, knowing, okay, we don't have to, you know, we're going to sit Aaron in preseason, but we know we have that 10 days prior to go face the next best defense in our division and in the league. You know, in terms of the Vikings defense led by Harrison Smith, so that gives the the coaches more leeway to say, my more reason not to play, you know, key guys like Aaron. But now, good. I think it's ten days. It's more time for recovery, and a lot of time to watch last year's two games against the Vikings because we know how those games went. They were tough games, just like this one last night, and that defense is just still where it is. They haven't lost a whole lot of guys, not a lot of changeover from year to year, not a lot of injuries, no retirement. So right now that Vikings defense is going to we, – we plus possibly might see what we saw last night in Lambeau Field here on the 15th. Got a, a couple of minutes left here uh, in hour number one. I'm on back to the defense. You know, and Evo and I were talking about this earlier. You know, to, to replace nine starters – um, you know, what was your takeaway with the plan in the offseason? I mean, obviously one game in, you're going to say genius move. But, I mean, when you played and if you were a part of a team where they replaced 9 of 11 starters, I mean, how, how would you view that going into a season? Um, I wouldn't, as a pro, being a season pro, <clears throat> wouldn't be uh, much rattled by it because there, there's a lot of changeover from year to year. What the part I worry about is how the players – process the information to learn what their job is on that defense or that offense, where they're coming in, and, and then adjusting to the new teammates. And I think that's the first stage of it is, you know, get used to your teammates, man. You know, get to find out who they are, what they like, what they like, what makes them laugh, what makes them cry, whatever. Um, but you connect with your teammate become and start to become a family. And then you help them. If you've been the player on the team the previous year, you teach them about the offense, or the offense, or the defense, what the scheme is, what some calls are, and that's just the individual coaching you have amongst players. But then you actually have the coach, you know, teaching them the process and how they are a teacher and how they can help that player learn that scheme a lot better. Because that's number one. Because some defenses are similar, you know, for some of these players like Jerry Smith coming in here, some are different. And I believe he came from a different defense, but it's still some of the fundamentals are basic. You know that as a pro, but then some of the play calls, some of the audibles into different defenses going from a, a blitz coverage to a zone coverage or man coverage might be a little different than it was in Baltimore. So just learning those little nuances to know I could, I don't have to think a whole lot. I could just play because I know what's coming when I hear this. 
Uh, we got lots more to get to with Amon. We'll uh, talk more about uh, the big win last night. And I know you're dying for an update, Amon. Antonio Brown, big time D-bag this week. We got to get your take on that. More of the Amon Green Show when we come back. This is the Amon Green Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, we're back. My man. How you doing? <laughs> um, but like we've been talking about, good defenses uh, play, well, play well last night, but now these offenses got to get figured out, get going. Um, I like the comment from Jadarius Smith, you know, saying we can be dominant, we just got to play as one. And this is a free agent. He was a Raven last year, and you just see what I just meant, what we were talking about before the break, just having guys come together, saying – Making comments like that, it just shows where he's at as a pro, where he's at in his head as a pro, and where the team and the coaching staff, the players and the coaching staff in the Packer locker room, what type of culture is being created there with the new coaching staff under Matt LaFleur. So that that's a bold statement. I mean, not a bold statement, but I say, a, for me, a proud statement to hear as a player coming in, fresh to this team, fresher, fresh to this organization and its fan base, to see what type of guy you got from the Baltimore Ravens. Well, yeah, and to that point, uh, Amon, you know, speaking of bold statements, you know, Zadarius and Preston Smith combining for nine quarterback pressures, three sacks, Adrian Amos, the game-ending interception. You talk about, you know, the three big acquisitions in the offseason. I, I, I guess they'd say money returned on that investment, you know, for, uh, for game one, yeah? Oh, yeah, they showed up. You know, to have your... Like you just mentioned, three off-season um, acquisitions all show up in somewhere in this game. One play, two plays, multiple plays, or stuff we don't see. You know, watching the D-line or watching the O-lineman hold because they don't know what to do with those defenders is just as a GM, as a, as a I say, as a scouting department is feeling you, you're feeling real good by yourself. But the job's not over; it's just game one. Um, so their jobs are always looking for the next guy, just in case of injuries, things of that nature. But there's a little bit of where they could, you know, kind of smile, a little pat on the back. It's just game one, just to say we did a good job bringing in these guys and, and getting them in, you know, integrated into this team right away. And they showed up game one um, on the big on the big stage against the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field. Hey, Amon, I've been dying to ask you this question on two fronts. Uh, hey, I know Uh-oh. you. I know you love. The, I know you. No, it's a good thing. I know you love the uh, the D bag of the week. And right now, uh, Antonio Brown is running away with the vote. Uh, I would, you know, as a former player who, you know, money is a part of the game. Antonio Brown getting suspended and now probably going to get cut and lose north of thirty million dollars if he had just made the roster. If he had just played. Monday night. Well, he didn't even need to play. If he had just suited up Monday night, he was guaranteed $30 million, and now is jeopardy of losing all that. Is that like, as an ex-player, to see that kind of money, and that just like kind of what I would say is like stupidity to leave it on the table? What's your takeaway on, on a, the, this crazy soap opera that is Antonio Brown? Oh, man. I mean, I feel just for him, man. It's, it's been uh, up and down since he left Pittsburgh. He was in battle. You know, being in a battle with the uh, quarter, you know, number one quarterback there, and Ben Roethlisberger, and then coming over and just having the adventure of being a Raider, um, and we don't even know he's gonna if he, he's gonna be able to touch the regular season field um, with him. You know, that offense and the potential is is all feel for him. And I know as a player, he's like, for him, he's like, 
frustrated, he's probably mad, upset, doesn't really know what's going on. Um, but in, at the end of the day, I know he thought he was doing the best for himself. Some of the, you know some of his comments, some of the things he's posted in the me in, in social media, and he you know he's protecting himself for the most for the most point. But also, it's a part where you have to be a pro, professional in terms of what you say, what you don't say, and sometimes it's hard not to say certain things because the sign of the times of today is players are vocal. Players speak their mind, speak their feelings, and sometimes that could go you know, in your favor. Sometimes it can't, but it's just a fortunate situation because this guy we know is very talented. Regardless of how many years he has um, on the, in terms of mileage, he's a still, he still has a, little, a lot of good football in him. So I would say for football's sake that uh, – He's he's still a Raider, and if not, I mean, if he's if it's all done now, I don't know. Um, I just heard about it myself. But if he is still a Raider, then those that offense and Gruden, and the sky's the limit. And hopefully, he could just you know what I can, let me just shake this and just focus on football. Shut down um, my my social media like LeBron does for the playoffs. Shut it down for the whole season. <laughs> and then not, yeah. not speak at all on social media. You know, and to that point, Amon, and, you know, where, where it really got, you know, the story coming out that, that he got into it, you know, with uh, with, with, with the GM. And, <laughs> and, like, you don't have to name any names, but was there ever a time, whether it was a coach or, uh, you know, a, you know, and, you know, a front office type where you saw or there was, I mean, how heated can these things get? Is that common? Is that rare? I mean, you know, that, that Antonio Brown was trying to square off with the GM at practice yesterday? Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, I'd say rare if you're actually going to square off, but it does happen. Because these GMs, some GMs around the league, I'd say the ones, the few I've encountered with, they have what I say egos. And they sometimes have that ego where, oh, I'm, I, I got all these players here. I'm the reason why these players here, along with the scouting department, the players are here because of me. The coaching staff is here because of me. And so that can get to that ego of that GM and feel where they could say and talk and um, push and prod at players when they're not doing as they might think their job. And the GM really job is to do that, but not to let it go to your head. I'd say for one, just be a GM, find the players that you can put on the field to help you win games and find the coaches to help organize the players to make sure they win games. And that's what GM's basic job are not to get in if it was an actual fisticuff or argument on the field with your starting receiver no don't do that take that to the office say hey antonio we got you know you want to talk to me all right let's talk after practice in my office let's do that not on the field not in front of people where it's going to get you get out you know those type of things got to be learned you know mike may not be in his first year as a gm is learning, unfortunately, the hard way. He's seeing things happen, obviously, the way he didn't plan with his receiver that he just picked up from the Steelers. Probably a little irritated about that. We don't know exactly what said, but we know it was a heat exchange um, yesterday or two days ago on Wednesday, and now we're now we're talking about it here in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, let me ask you, man. I mean, it, when you see a player like that, that is a superstar in the NFL. He's a top, you know, five at his position. He is a diva. What? What are the? What's the other guys? What's your teammates thinking about? What do you? What would you be thinking when you see this guy being a head case? Is a team cancer? Uh, is that a real thing in a locker room? No, it, it's a real thing in a locker room, but it's where it's a real thing only, only if that locker room is not together. If that locker room is splintered or frayed in any way, then it's a problem. Um, 
that part we don't know. We and and from what I've seen, I think that is a locker room. Even though they had a rough year last year, that is a a locker room that's together. Um, we don't really see the players speaking out. We don't see Carr saying anything. We don't see any of the defensive players or the leaders on that team speaking out about what um, Antonio should be doing or not be doing. It's more it's more us. It's more NFL, you know, other networks out there. So that's the good thing. And he's probably feeling more vocal because he has his back of his teammates. He's got more support, or he has the support maybe he didn't have in uh, Pittsburgh because he knew, you know, going against Ben, Big Ben is tough. He's the, you know, the cornerstone of that team and will be for a few more years there. So that was, uh, I'd say, a disadvantage for him to really go after him you know, being on that, that Steelers staff but being in the Raiders locker room might be a little different. I know Gruden is a player's coach, so I'm pretty sure I've seen comments from Gruden through the um, the ice, you know, the, the, the problem with his feet to his, the issue with his helmet that he always he had Antonio's back from day one. And so I knew I always knew Gruden as a player's coach, so knowing that, that gives uh, Antonio Brown a little bit more confidence in himself, but probably, you know, it's still – a, pro- a work in progress trying to hopefully get men things between GM and, and coaches and getting on that field and playing and just really just being a football player. Well, see, the best thing about this uh, visiting uh, with Amon Green here on the Amon Green Show, Amon, is now I can go to my John Gruden impersonation and I can be like, oh. I tell you what, man, this guy, Amon Green, man, I used to work in Green Bay with the Packers, man. This guy, Amon Green, man, I like this guy, man. That guy <laughs> could run the football, man, man, for the Packers. I tell you what, man, this guy, Amon Green, I wish we had Amon Green on the Raiders, man. Uh, he definitely probably wish he did right now. <laughs> uh, I would actually, I would love to be out there. He got a young running back in Josh Jacobs to, to help him under my, you know, have, bring him under my wing. I would love it. I mean, I did it with uh, Najee Davenport and Tony Fisher. Love those guys. They're my little bros to this day. Um, and being in the group, you know, I, I, it would have been great to be coached by Gruden. I mean, I know the guy, but never got coached by him and run, run, run the plays that he's calling. So that would have been fun as well. Hey, man, I was uh, looking at your Twitter account, which is a great follow, by the way. You can, you can follow him. Um, what's your Twitter account again? It's um, oh. Amon Green oh, 30. Amon Green oh, that's easy. 30, all one word, Twitter. I was just on it. I should have known that. But uh, I see this here. Speaking of another opportunity that you might like, can you be the first black back Batman? <laughs> oh, yes. You're trolling me. Well, it says, it's, please give me an opportunity to be the Black Batman. Amon, we need to make this happen. Screw that hey, Pattinson right now, guy. Get Screw it out there. Pattinson, Amon Green's in. We don't even need so, one of those rinky-dink suits, Amon. You're yoked out of your out of your mind, dude. So, come on. Yeah, that uh, I posted that yesterday because on um, I want to see it happen. And, and what's that? I want to see it happen. Me too. I want to see it happen. Well, put it out there. Give us your pitch. Give us your pitch. Y'all going to be at the premiere. Hey, just look at it. Just know you won't have to have – you already mentioned it. You won't have to have no prosthetic suit where it's going to have muscles popping out. No, muscles are going to be there built in. I mean, I know – I'm going to have the mindset of being a a, a master detective, okay, about discovering and finding who did it, who's the villain, and solving it. Maybe sometimes kick the villain's butt if I need yeah, to. Yeah, Amon, you're, you're more you yoked than the bat suit is. So I have to, ask, I have yeah. to, ask to shrink the bat suit for you, man. Hey, I'm fine. We got two jobs, Joe. We got to get myself on the stadium, get my number retired yep. in the Lambo. Yep. I'm working on that. The, the first, the role as the first black Batman. Dude, you know, I'm here for it, Amon. <laughs> and we're, I was Got watching, evil, I was watching some highlight videos of um, you yesterday. And are you more yoked now than you were in your playing days? 
I would know. I don't know. To be honest, I mean, everybody says I am because I, I, I think you are, dude. That. I was watching a lot of film yesterday. I think you're more yoked now. I think people just—it's a perception. People don't see me a whole lot, so when they see me, they're like, "Oh my god!" Because like, every now and then, every now and then, I get people that say, "Oh man, you're not as big as I." Thought well, what are you were. benching and squatting? <laughs> Uh, I'm like your know, bench. You know, I, it's been a while. Last time I maxed out, I was benching. I maxed out at 355 on bench, and I maxed out on squat at uh, four 440. Yeah, I think we, you still we got, got the it. black Batman coming up. Amon Green. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is the Amon Green show. We come back. We will uh, get our first look ahead to the Vikings and what did the Packers do? for 10 days between now and week two. More of the Amon Green Show coming up. Joe and Evo sit the next few plays out. It's time for a pro. This is the Amon Green Show. Brought to you by Badger City Auto on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Mm, got that fall wall going. <laughs> yeah. you, music. you know I love that. Got the man. people's champ, Amon. Paul Wall. <laughs> hey, uh, Amon, real quick, before we uh, look ahead to the uh, Vikings here in our final segment, you know, we're talking about you and Batman. I don't know if you saw the oh. reviews or not. Ebo and I were just talking about this. The new Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Woo! Apparently, yes. it, it, it premiered in L.A. over the weekend. It got an eight-minute standing ovation at the end of the movie, and it scored a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the third highest score ever. Are you fired up for the new Joker movie, your big nemesis? Yes, I'm geeked up, man. Joker is like Ice Cube. He's that villain you love to hate. <laughs> nice <laughs> reference. He, he, he's See the, the Predator? Guy that, what's that? See the Predator? He's, well, uh, That's another Ice Cube album. Sorry. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's somewhat like that. But uh, he's a guy that... In my like being a Batman fan, I'm like, why is this dude just put a bullet in his head, man? Stop, <laughs> stop, stop just. It's a good question. Keeping him alive, hanging him off the roof or the building, like in the first Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, where he had a chance to just drop him a hundred stories. No, he ended up falling anyway. But Heath Ledger, that's where I was going with well, uh, 2005 Batman. Come on, uh, Batman. Like, really? Batman wants justice. <laughs> but it's like, but he gets the, but he has this little thorn in his side called the Joker. That's still hanging around. He had so many from the comic books, from the movie, so many ways to basically rid him, rid the earth, rid Gotham of this guy Joker. But he, I guess he's entertaining. Um, okay, but so I love, but I love that they did this movie. This movie is coming from the uh, Killing Joke comic book for the comic book Ooh. fans listening in. It's from that, and from you guys that didn't know, pick up the Killing Joke. Awesome. You'll see, you'll read this book, and it'll get you ready for this movie. Um, I love it because it shows. It's the or, I love origin stories. I love to see where people have come from to be where they're at now. Okay, and Black Batman. Black Batman premieres. Amon Green is starring in it. What's the origin and who's the nemesis you face in the movie? Ooh, origin. Great. Uh, well, <laughs> we know Batman is older and he starts recruiting other Batman, other people similar to him. Teach him his. He teaches them the methods. Kind of franchises himself. That's how the Black Batman is found and discovered. Um, my nemesis would probably have to be, I wouldn't mind going against, I like uh, Deathstroke. I like Mono Imano, somebody similar to me. Because any super villain is like, I got to think about, okay, how, what's the game plan? I'm going to take him out. Oh, because Deathstroke, that guy's sweet. If, he, if a super villain breathes on me wrong, I'm, I'm, dead. I'm done. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with somebody like Deathstroke because we're, both trained by this League of Assassins in terms of Ra's al Ghul. And we have similar 
like mindsets of fighting, similar mindsets of, I say, kind of domination um, and defeating your uh, opponent. So I would like that as uh, as my villain. Hell yeah. And, uh, whatever movie title they call it, if it's Batman Inc., they have a comic book out, a series called Batman Inc., where Batman, like I mentioned, franchises himself to other people, like-minded people, physically built people as himself to, to uh, if they fight crime in their in their city. So it wouldn't be, uh, you know, Mike Holmgren making that trade uh, in 2000 to the Green Bay Packers. He wouldn't be the uh, villain. He would be the, the, the anti-hero for, for bringing him on Green Mike to Green Holmgren, Bay. If, right. If Mike Holmgren was a villain in the DC universe, <laughs> he would be, oh man, is there, uh, <laughs> it's like Brainiac. Brainiac. He's like Brainiac. There you go. If he's DC, if I'm correct. Brainiac, because he thought he knew everything. He thought he knew how to coach guys, hint, hint. Um, he thought he was making guys better, which he did in some cases. He, he was hard on Brett. He made Brett better. He was hard on me. He helped me get a little better. Um, so being the brainiac type character he was, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm happy he made that trade. So, like, he, he could be yeah. like the villain, but actually he's like the anti-hero because he gave Amon Green to the Green Bay Packers. Exactly, and a lot of Packer fans, not just you. Joe, you, Ebo, and everybody in that building there, but a lot of Packer fans appreciate Mike Holmgren for putting me in his doghouse. I love it. Uh, visiting with Amon Green here on the Amon Green Show. All right, so we got a couple of minutes left, Amon. Yeah. Uh, you know, got- there, there's a 10-day break for the yeah. Vikings. If you had just got this emotional, hard-fought, week one victory, game one of your head coach, do you love the break, or would you be dying to get back at it to play week two? Um. It depends. It sounds like there were not many injuries. So I would say for that instance, if it was some key injuries, then yeah, I want this break. But for me and where this coaching staff wants to go as an offense, it's like, oh man, let's get back out there. Let's get more plays so we get them reps in and then get in rhythm. So yeah, I say for that point, I'll be anxious. Like get back in this game. Let's get the next game. You know, if it's got to be on Tuesday of next week or whatever, let's do it. But obviously no, they got to wait 10 days for the Vikings to come to Green Bay. So they got a lot of film to watch. There's a lot of old film, you know, and some preseason they'll watch of the Vikings. And Vikings obviously will have this game to watch for the Packers. And they'll, I think, kind of lick their chops a little bit and see what they could get and how they can attack this offense. But then vice versa, Mike Pettin and that defense will have those 10 days to get that, get ready again for a team they faced twice and defended well. Okay, I say last year, but, uh, but now has different uh, tools in the box, as we say in the locker room in terms of the Darius Smith and um, Adrian Amos, who, uh, man, to dream, I say to have a dream and have, and actually Darius brought it up in his interview I listened to not too long ago, uh, that they talked about the night before that Adrian getting the interception or doing something big to help his team win, being his team, the Packers now, where he once was a bear, and he did that. So him, and other guys, will, I say, will continue to show up for this uh, defense. Blake Martinez still led the team in, in tackle, so they're going to have to get ready for Devin Cook, Kirk Cousins. Hopefully we see some glimpse of that, you know, what he's been paid. He's been paid big money as a starting quarterback in the NFL. We, for me, I still haven't seen it. He's still a, a run-in-the-mill, I say, average quarterback that's, uh, that hit the market at a good time. So he'll, they'll have that coming in 
you know, in terms of that Vikings team. But overall, it's going to be a, it's going to possibly be another defensive game. Hey, Amon, final thought of the week. You know, we got our uh, Wisconsin football home opener tomorrow, so I got to get some some Big Ten from you because the huge story in the offseason in the Big Ten is Nebraska, man, and is Nebraska back? And every they're like the media darling chic pick. So I got to ask one of the all-time Cornhusker greats, is Nebraska back, and, and should we be worried as Wisconsin fans this year about your Cornhuskers? Oh, yeah. Worry that your brow should always have a couple beads of sweat when you hear Cornhuskers coming to town or the can't or the Badgers going down to Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, you need to start to worry. Defense played well last week against South Alabama. Uh, and again, uh, my man Adrian Martinez knocked off a little rust there, still is developing. Remember, he's a true sophomore quarterback, still has a lot to learn. Um, reading defenses, making good, uh, decisions before with with the ball with his gameplay too but i'll say overall this team has been well during training camp and it's got better so the, it's going to be rough in the big 10 west i hey, say overall hey Amon, did you rough for all the teams. how about you got to give it up though for my man jt as a running back come on man four touchdowns jonathan taylor what's up hey he is again a Heisman candidate, and he has the he has the uh, pedigree. He's been doing it since day one. He stepped down there in uh, Camp Randall, so I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see what he does this season. I mean, he did it big last year, 1,900 yards, Heisman candidate again. I could see that happening this year with that offensive line and the team behind him. It's just the question is for quarterback for those Badgers, see how that quarterback play will be this year. Hey, great stuff, my man. Uh, I you appreciate it. Uh, we're already I'm already waiting till next uh, Friday, buddy. Hey, I'm going to be in the stadium next Friday, so y'all yeah. better have it right for me. Oh, we're going to be hey, ready for you, man. Hey, I just got a brand new David Buster's gift card next Thursday night. Mandate Bloody Marys and uh, David oh. Buster's. Let's go, Amon. <laughs> Mandate, I love it. <laughs> Let's go, Joe. See you, buddy. See you, man. See you next week. There See he you, is, man. Packers all-time leading rusher, the uh, Amon Green the Show. Man. I love Amon, man. He's cool. Black Batman taking on the anti-hero, Mike Holmgren, who actually – traded him to the Green Bay Packers, the former Packer head coach, who became the GM of the Seahawks, said, I don't want this guy. Get him out of here. I'll send him back to my former team. What does he do? He becomes the all-time leading rusher for the Packers. What a superhero I just story be an extra. that would be. I just want to be an extra in the movie. Yeah, you know, like I want to be collateral damage when they're fighting or something. <laughs> you know, like Aaron Rodgers was in Game of Thrones for like five yeah. seconds.